Our session this morning is uh, knowing God and not just about Him will transform our lives. As most of you know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. It took me nine years to get my college degree, and then I got into the insurance business. So I'm not a real smart guy. And I think the same can be true of when I decided to uh, speak on knowing God, because it is such a, um, a vast uh, topic of discussion. Knowing God is really an, an experience that we'll experience all through eternity. The Westminster uh, Catechism asks, what is the chief end of man? And the famous answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This morning, we will scratch the surface of knowing about God and knowing God. Uh, That is an individual experience that each of you will have with the Lord. But I believe that we can develop a good track that we can follow so that we can make that transition of just know, of knowing just about God and knowing Him. And I honestly believe that even a child can know God. And I'll explain a little bit about that later on. Before I get into our material, I'd like to share with you an experience that I've had from my own life where really I learned of making, trying to make that transition from knowing about God to knowing God. And it happened about nine years ago, and at that time, I thought it was the most difficult uh, time in my life, and at this time, I still feel that it was. And it happened uh, as we were beginning the Great Recession. And as those of you who were working at the time or just experiencing it, you knew that it was a very uh, difficult time. Um, Most of us didn't know exactly what was going to occur but I was in a business par- partnership at the time uh, that was uh, falling apart, and I had to be able to deal with that. I'm in the insurance business, so I had to be able to transition my clients to another agency, and that took uh, roughly about two, two years to do. I was involved in a business lawsuit uh, for something that I did not do. That took another two years to work, work itself through. And I had taken on a few financial obligations, personally and business-wise, that I wish that I never would have taken on. So at this time, during the Great Recession, this I felt like my world was really crashing all around me. And for the first time, uh, even though I'd been in church, I'd been in leadership, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know Him the way that I needed to know Him for this when it first came into my life to be able to deal with it. In fact, I remember uttering the words, my life is over. (laughs) And the Lord was probably telling me, yes, a part of your life is over. (laughs) And better things will, will happen in the future. But I would characterize my relationship with the Lord as professional and not personal. It wasn't that it wasn't, there was no personal relationship with the Lord. Obviously there was. I was a believer and I wanted to live and please Him with my life. But I had my checklist, which I could handle, and God could handle everything else. And I learned during that time that I couldn't even handle my checklist. But I learned that the Lord is sovereign in His plan, and at that time He was going to teach me a lot of things that... um, It has helped me in ministry after that. And then also that I could have a close and personal relationship with him, not just professional, where I knew about him, 
but where I knew of him and that he could help me in my everyday life. With our time, to get, uh, time together today, I'd like for us to see up close the great God that we serve. And there are a few books that I used, if you care to jot any of these down or just kind of remember them, that I used in preparing this. Uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer, and Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. As I mentioned, this topic really we could spend years in trying to develop. So we'll be looking at it from a very high level. We'll kind of bring it down a little bit so that we can look at a few of God's attributes and develop those a little bit. But I really believe that there's nothing that we can do with our time that is more valuable than learning about our great God. As we start our journey this morning um, to consider what it means to know God, one thing that J.A. Packer mentions in his book, there are five truths that are foundational to be able to know God. And we must believe these. And let me just give you the five so we can get going with our material. God has spoken to man. God has spoken to man. And he's, give, he's, made, he's given us the Bible so that we will be wise until salvation. But he has given us the truth. And I think as believers, we really do, practically speaking, we believe we have the truth, but we really don't. It's it, it sometimes in our lives where we really do not rely on what he's given us. Secondly, God is Lord and King over his world. Uh, he's sovereign. He controls all things. Uh, God is Savior. Uh, The Lord uh, rescued us uh, from the guilt and power of sin. Uh, He adopted us as uh, his children, and he blesses us. And this is really kind of, Pastor talks about preaching the gospel to ourselves, really knowing the position that we have in Christ, that we're hidden in Christ, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what the Lord has done in our lives. Also, the Lord is triune. Uh, The work of salvation is one, which all three work together. The Father uh, proposing redemption, the Son securing it, and the Spirit applying it. And also, fifthly and lastly, uh, godliness means responding to God's revelation in trust and obedience. And I found this true so many times through the years that even no matter how many years you've walked with the Lord, that we that we do live by faith. And Hebrews uh, brings that out. Uh, it's impossible to please God without the faith. But we must trust and obey what his word says. So if we believe these truths and we meditate them, I believe that we will learn to uh, transform our lives and what God has done for us and who he is. So once we are a child of his, how can we go from knowing about God to eventually knowing him. So let's look at first about knowing about, learning about God. So if I were to ask you a question, tell me in one conversation what you know about God, what would you say? Well, if you think about it, that can be a difficult question. I mean, I think our minds are just kind of grasping at certain things. And then can we truly know God in this life? And the answer is, thankfully, yes, we can know him, but we can never fully understand God. Uh, and, and, that's the, and that just means that God is in, incomprehensible, that we cannot fully understand him, but we can know God, and I'll explain a little bit. 
So getting back to our question, somebody asked you, what do you know about, about God? How would you go about organizing your thoughts to answer this individual? What would you say first? What would you say second? So to help us answer this question, even though we cannot fully understand God, we do know that there are two things about God. Is that correct? We do know two things about God. And to help us answer this question, we go to the scriptures to look for truth about God. First uh, John 4.8 says, God is love. First John 1.5 says, God is light. Romans 3.26 says, God is righteousness. So even though we cannot fully understand God, and we'll spend an eternity worshiping God, glorifying Him, we still will not understand fully God. Because if we did, we would be God, correct? So we will spend an eternity. So even though we can't fully understand Him, it doesn't mean we cannot know Him in this life. And we can know God. And we can have a very close relationship with him. I have a son, Nicholas, and my daughter, Jessica, and I know them. But I don't know everything about them. I can't read what is in their minds. Sometimes I wish I could have when, <laughs> when I was talking to them, what was going on in their minds. But I can know them, and I can have a very close relationship with them. And this is the same concept here, is that we can know God. We won't fully understand him, uh, but we can know him. So when we consider communicating what we know about God, we're, we are immediately drawn to the scriptures and what the scriptures say about our great God. One method uh, uh, to learn about God is to write down all of his attributes and then to classify him. So as we're thinking about this question, you know, what it is that we know about God, we're, number one, we're drawn to the scriptures and the truth that the scriptures uh, reveal about God. And then secondly, is to be able to write down all that truth, in which is an attribute. And then we would classify them. So what is an attribute? An attribute is really simply anything that is true about God. And who reveals that truth? Well, God reveals that truth to us, and we have it uh, in his word. So once we've taken, we've written down all the attributes regarding God, the truth regarding God. Now, I've handed out a handout to you, and it is very, it's a, it was an email copy to me, so it's going to be a little difficult to kind of read everything there. And uh, if some of you want it, we can, actually, we need to type this up and uh, be able to give it to you. But we, with those attributes there, we have scriptures by each of the uh, attributes there, which will basically um, lay out the scriptures of, of giving the truth on this attribute. But one of the most commonly used classifications to divide those attributes is we're thinking about, you know, what do we say first, what do we say second? And we try to classify the attributes, anything that is true about God, there are two common uh, divisions or classifications that we would divide those attributes into. And this is just one way, but this is the most common and simple way. Is that we ha would have God uh, attributes that are incommunicable attributes of God and communicable 
attributes of God. Now, that's kind of like a mouthful, and it's hard for me to even pronounce those. But um, So what is the difference between um, incommunicable and communicable attributes? Well, an incommunicable attribute is an attribute which God does not share or uh, communicate with us in the sense that we are able to realize it. So God is infinite. We are not infinite. God is all-knowing and all-powerful. Okay, those are incommunicable attributes that we cannot realize as fallen human beings. They are only reserved for God. Communicable attributes are ones that he does share with us that we can um, experience and live out. Those could be love, mercy, jealousy, and grace. Those are all attributes that we can live out. And that's how we glorify God, is by reflecting back to him, as Pastor says, to glorify God of his attributes that he's given us where we can participate. So let's take a look at uh, the attributes that I've handed out to you. And we'll, we'll just kind of go through some of those again. I know it's kind of difficult to read. And uh, we'll try and have uh, this printed up, uh, have somebody put it into the computer so we can print it out so you can, so you can read it a little bit better. But anyway, in these, it's not an exhaustive list, but this is a very good list for us to take a look at. And so we can understand knowing about God. This is, uh, these are incommunicable attributes about God. So we see that God is independent. And do you understand that God does not need us or the rest of the creation for anything? God is truly independent of any one being or his creation. He's infinite. He's not subject to any limitations. He's eternal, unending existence and endlessness. I mean, that's just hard to even wrap your mind around something like that, that God is, uh, uh, there was no beginning and there is no end. He's incomprehensible. I mentioned that. He cannot be fully understood, even though we can, we can know God. He's supreme. He's sovereign. He rules his entire creation. That is a great comfort to us as believers, knowing that no matter what comes into our life, that God's in control. And Romans 8.28 says that, that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't mean necessarily that what happens to you is good. If somebody assaulted you, that's not a good thing. But we have the confidence that God can take that bad thing and turn it for our betterment. As I mentioned earlier, I went through the experiences that I went through about nine years ago. I mean, I, I wasn't jumping up and down saying, man, this is great, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn out of this, and, and uh, you know, God is, is, is working in my life. I mean, they were difficult situations, and all of us are going to have those situations that do occur in life that we're going to have to trust God, that he is going to work it out for, for our good. But God is sovereign. He does, um, he does rule his entire creation. God is transcendent. God is exalted so far above the universe that human thought cannot imagine it. Isn't that a great thought? That God is that great? 
that he is that exalted. In fact, uh, Pastor, in his prayer uh, today, talked um, talked about the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah just says, holy, holy, holy. This is our great God. It's, we cannot even imagine how great God is. He is transcendent. He's the one and only. He's majestic. He's present everywhere. Uh, he can focus on you and everything in his created universe all at once. Just think about that. That God can focus on you, Paul, and everything else that is in his creation all at once at the same time. I mean, we just, we can't comprehend that. I mean, that's how great our God is. He's all-knowing. God sees all times equally vividly. So past, present, and future, God can look throughout all of eternity, and it is vivid. That's a great thought. God is all-powerful, and he's unchanging. And I think sometimes we can run by that unchanging and not really think too much about it. I mean, just think about it. wonder if God could change. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? You think about it, no, that wouldn't be a good thing. God is all who he is. He can't love you any more than what he loves you right now. God's unchanging. And that is, that is a comfort that we have as believers, knowing our great God. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's infinite, and he's unchanging. That is a great God. We serve a great God. So I'd like to take a look at the communicable attributes. And again, these are ones that we will try to um, reflect back to uh, the Lord and glorifying Him. And then also, as we um, interact with one another in the world, we take these attributes into the world. I mean, how else do we? How else are we distinctive between uh, Christianity and the world? How are we distinctive to them? How do they know that there's something different in you when you go to work? What is it that's different about you? If you're retired, you're involved in ministry. How how is it that if you get involved in that and you're rubbing shoulders with people and you're trying to reflect back to God, what is it that that um, how do they know that difference? Well, these are great attributes for us to really know and to be able to practice and, and make sure that we're um, letting others know of. of um, as believers, the characteristics that we have. So the first one is uh, holiness. God is separated from sin and devoted to seek his own honor. Wisdom. God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the means to those goals. Truthfulness. All that God says and does is truth. So when God speaks, that's truth. If we go to if you go to Genesis one, you'll see eight different times, and God said, "Let there be light." And what happened? There was light. So when God speaks, it is truth, and you can see the results of when God speaks. And we saw it there in Genesis. 
Um, John 17, 17, the pastor mentioned this as well, that your word is truth. So God's word is truth. Love. God eternally gives of himself to others. It is part of his nature to give of himself in order to bring about blessing or good for others. And we really concentrate, we love that God is, God loves us because with salvation, there wasn't anything good about us, but yet God loved us, John three sixteen, and he sent his son to die for us. I'd like to just talk a little bit because I've had some misunderstandings regarding God's love that I'd just like to kind of share with you, and maybe you've kind of had some of the same thoughts, is that I think that we can, uh, our conception of love is what we've experienced in life. So I'll just talk about fathers. And we talk a lot about this in men's fraternity and how we should act towards our wives and, and how we should act towards our children. Well, I had a great father. In fact, he was, uh, he ended up being a best friend. But when dad, when my dad was mad, it was like, kind of like, okay. I've done something wrong. <laughs> so, as fathers, we try, as Hebrews says, that we try to do the best that we can in disciplining our kids. But we can give them the impression, I mean, with, through our sinfulness, we do give the impression that if you do good, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we're happy with you. If you do bad, you know, we're not happy with you. And we can carry that misconception of what love is to love from God. And here's how it can manifest itself. God has perfect love. I mean, every one of his attributes, that's just who God is. And with having that um, misunderstanding of what love is, certainly from love from God, is that you can become workspace. The only way that God will love me is if I do if I'm involved in service or I'm trying to do good. Now, again, yes, we please God with that. But God loves you anyway. It's not that God stops loving you even when you're in sin. Now, again, he does discipline us, okay? He's still drawing us back. But even that, when he disciplines us, it's still out of love. God wants what's best for your life in all situations, And that was very difficult for me to kind of get through. It took me years, really, to kind of really understand that, where I don't have to work for God's love. He loves me anyway. Even when I sin, God still loves me. So I had that mindset that I had to be involved in service, and I had to do this, and I had to do this for God to really love me. But God, he's always loved me, and it hasn't changed, and... So that is one uh, misconception or misunderstanding that I had. It also is that uh, in making decisions in life. In this, uh, at different times, we all have, you know, big decisions to make. And it's like you're praying and you're crying out to God, Lord, just give me the answer. (laughs) I've got three options here, okay? Which one is in your will? And we struggle with that. And I remember different times in my life where I would just, it's like my mind would just, it would be an endless, you know, loop, you know, thinking through those decisions and, you know, what are the consequences and all that. And I would, you know, going back to, you know, love that you have maybe from your father that doesn't show 
love, obviously, the way that, uh, that God shows us love, is to think that, um, that he doesn't want our best in every decision that we make. And I believe that God will, make, will give us wisdom if we submit to him and, and uh, we ask him to make the best decision. But knowing that God always wants his best for us was a huge help for me in making decisions. Because therefore, I could make a decision. I could commit it to God. But I had three options to make. Pray about it. Lord, give me wisdom in making this decision. And I could pray about it. I could seek counsel. Pastor mentioned having many counselors helps talking to people. And I would take all that and then commit it to God, and then I'd make a decision. And then from there, I wouldn't worry about it. If something, something else happened that I didn't anticipate, God's still in control of that, right? So he knew what, what decision I was going to make. I committed it to him so I can have confidence in knowing his love for me, that his love is not going to change, that he always wants the best for me in life. So I could make that decision and then move forward and not look back. And that really helped me with knowing what God's love really is. Goodness. Uh, God is the final standard of good in all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Faithfulness. God fulfills all that he says and wills to do. I mean, it doesn't take you too long to experience with one another that we are not faithful (laughs) in everything that we say that we're going to do. And this is a great attribute of God, that he is faithful even even when we're not living and pleasing him with our lives, he's still faithful to us because he's still he's drawing us back. He's still working in our lives. He can even take the bad that you've done, the sin that you've done, and use it for your good. But only God can do that, but that's because he is faithful. Kindness, patience, justice, righteousness. God always acts in accordance with, with what is right, and in himself the final standard of what is right. Wrath. God's wrath means that he, is inten- he intensely hates sin. And if you notice in Scripture, I mean, God does have wrath. It is not mentioned um, that frequently in Scripture. But, God, but God's wrath means that he, is, he intensely hates sin. Jealousy, I like this. God's jealousy means that God continually seeks to protect his honor. And this is one area, this is one attribute here, where if you really don't study the scriptures to know why God is a jealous God, we can have an improper definition of what God is. And really, idolatry is thinking any thought that is not true about God. And this is one of them, I think, that we can... um, it's hard for us to kind of uh, grasp that God is a jealous God, but it, he's jealous because God continually seeks to protect his honor. And grace, the last one is grace, is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. And I think all of us can say amen to that. I mean, that's the gospel. We do not deserve the benefits that we receive at salvation that we're adopted as sons, that we're hid in Christ. 
and that uh, we have the Holy Spirit indwells us to be able to help us in, in life, to be able to uh, interpret the scriptures properly. The great benefits. I mean, when God looks at us, he sees Christ because we're hidden Christ. That's what uh, Colossians 3 says. I mean, that's just, that's hard to get your, your mind around that. I mean, that God has done all this for us through salvation, but it's undeserving and it's all through his grace. So if you take this list, and hopefully we'll get a list you can read. I think you can kind of get a lot of it. But certainly the scripture's there. If you put together this list and you do some studying to understand who God is, what he is like, that does that give you more comfort and confidence as you face this world? Is there really anything that you would face in life that you cannot handle? But it does take discipline. I mean, it is simple to understand what we need to do. But friends, it's another thing to have the discipline to be able to do it. And it's difficult for all of us. But, I, but God is involved in that process as we do that, as we commit that to him, that we know his attributes, who he is. So that should give us uh, comfort and confidence if we deal with life's pursuits and application. So anyway, I have a few um, points of application I'd just like to kind of share with you, and um, and then we'll be done. And I'd like to kind of go back and just, when I talked about my experiences I went through, I'd just like to kind of give you an, a little bit of an update on that, just because on how God works, it has nothing to do with me. So... Knowing God and not just about him, how will that transform our lives? So how do we make this transition from knowing just about God and then to knowing God himself? How does that transform our lives? And I'd like to read a portion of it uh, from uh, Packer's book, Knowing God. He says that um, turning each truth that we learn about God into a matter for meditation before God leading to prayer and praise to God. So let let me just read this because he puts it so well. How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God, so the attributes that we've uh, just learned and will continue to learn, into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer, and praise to God. He says, Meditation is the activity of calling to mind, thinking over, and dwelling on, and applying to oneself. The various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God, it is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, in a means of communion with God. I just want to read that last part again. Meditation is the activity of holy thought consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. And my friends, that's how we can, that's how we can start to make that transition, is when we take these attributes, the truth that the scriptures speak of God, and we meditate upon it, we think about it, We apply it to our lives. And that leads us to prayer 
communication with God. Sometimes it's pleading with God. There's been many times I've pleaded with God. Bring the scriptures to him. I believe God is honored in those, in those times. And by the help of God, the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to take those attributes and to live those out. And that is communion with God when we do those things. And that, will, that is making the transition between knowing about God and knowing God. And like I said, it will take us the rest of our lives and we'll spend the rest of eternity, which is a great thing of knowing who our great God is. Number two, I mentioned in the foundational truths that, uh, that we must believe God's word and obey it. And so many times, just with our sinful beings, as we know the truth, but we don't believe it. So when we have difficulties comes into our lives, it throws us. Because, eh, I kind of know about it, but I don't, you know, what God says, I don't know if it's really going to happen. So then we start to fear. Because why do we fear? Because it's, it's based on us, right? <laughs> if I might get out of this pickle that I'm in, or this event or circumstance that happened to me, then it's on me, right? And that's what we do. Practically speaking, that's what we do as believers. But when we know God, and we are going through this, we know what kind of God He is. We know that God loves us. We know that He's infinite. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. That we can trust in Him to be able to do that. And when I said a child by faith can know God, I believe that that is absolutely true because a child can believe that God loves them, will protect them, and do what's in their best interest even though they don't understand it. It's very simple. That is knowing God. They believe that. They pray that. A theologian can say, okay, you know, I want to make sure I've got the right position on apologetics, church history, and the finer points of doctrine. And I've talked with guys... (laughs) That, you know, they can, they can slice the baloney pretty thin when it comes to like doctrine and different points of scripture. And that's all good. There's no, there's no problems with that. I, I enjoy those conversations. But if we just stay there, if we're just worried about having the right position about this or that or church history and we need to do this and we need to do that and we just stay there, when the difficulty comes, you know, it's going to blow you away, right? Because you're not grounded, you're not grounded in the attributes of God and who God is and knowing God. A child can can do that. Thirdly, uh, meditating and applying God's attributes to your life and life's difficulties. And again, this is part of our worship. This is how we glorify God. Is when we take God's attributes and we apply it to everyday life, and we think about it. We're meditating. Again, that's a lost uh, art or discipline for most of us. I mean, if I ask for a raise of hands, how many of you meditate on a daily basis, <laughs> including myself, there would be very few hands going up. But there's not better time that we can spend than meditating about God. One thing that I did, in, for sure, when uh, going back nine years, when I was going through a few of these things in my life, and everyone, like I said, has their uh, times of difficulty that they've gone through, I would write on four-by-six cards, different scriptures regarding different topics. And I tell you, that was a great benefit for me to be able to write those scriptures down and being able to uh, to read those. I mean, at night, 
You come home at night sometimes, I mean, you got all kinds of thoughts going on. During the day, you have all kinds of thoughts going on in your head, which are not true. And again, we're not grounded in who God is, are we? So I would come home at night, and I would read these different scriptures. And I will tell you that it is a great antidote to anxiety, is to read God's Word. So if you write out God's attributes... We've got those verses. We'll try and make them a little bit more legible for you. If you write that out and just flip through them at night, just flip through them. And I'll tell you, that was a huge, huge benefit uh, for me uh, when I did that. So I kind of mentioned uh, at the beginning where I said I'd kind of go back through and just, you know, showing in how God works in our lives. And we depend... We have to. We depend on God's attributes of love and mercy and grace, don't we? We depend on Him in life, and just kind of going back to those situations that um, um, I had gone through about uh, nine years ago, and uh, the Lord really used that time to uh, mature me as a believer. Um, he taught me a lot of things that have really helped out. Um, with leading the men's ministry, I understand a lot more firsthand of what men go through and the difficulties that we have and having the answers. We have the answers for life, but we do need to apply them. And just kind of going back, you know, I, like I said, I was in a business partnership that was uh, falling apart. Um, and again, these are all God things. Only he could have worked them out. I mean, it wasn't anything that I could have done that could have worked these things out. And again, that took about two years when that thing was falling apart to be able to put things back together again. And, um, you know, the Lord has uh, blessed me with uh, uh, an agency. Uh, Years later, um, I mentioned about that uh, business lawsuit I was involved in. That was uh, settled satisfactorily. I did not do what what was claimed. It took a couple of years to kind of just work through that. But God uses pressure in life to be able to turn you to him. And I wasn't turned to him the way that I needed to be because, again, I had my checklist, and I got to do this, 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 and this, and I can handle all this. And then uh, God showed me that... uh, couldn't do that. And, uh, and again, taking on a few financial obligations, uh, been able to uh, pay those off. And uh, um, as a result of that, we've had Financial Peace uh, University here uh, this summer. And so God has taught me a lot about that, which again, helps so I can help others. And that's when you learn different things from your um, mistakes in life and you're transparent about it, it, can, it benefits the body. Um, you can share that uh, that God works in your life and that he's helped you through all these different things. But again, I know the cliche, it's a God thing. It is a God thing. He helps us through it. But I just wanted to be able to share this uh, material with you. There's, again, just to reiterate, there's not better time that we can spend than learning about God, knowing God, knowing who he is and how great he is and that we can use that to rely on him and glorify him and no matter what comes our way in this life. We can have that confidence. Thank you very much uh, for your time. I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed.
Father, we praise you, Lord, for the great God that you are. Lord, we have seen all your attributes from Scripture that how great you are, Lord. You are, as the prophet Isaiah says, holy, holy, holy. Lord, we praise you. You are all-knowing, all-powerful. You're infinite. Lord, you love us that we don't deserve. I just pray, Lord, that each of us might take the time and the diligence and develop the discipline of being able to know your word, what it says about you, the truth that it says about you, the different attributes, and being able to meditate upon it, help us uh, develop the discipline for that, to meditate upon it, pray to you, Lord, and to praise you for the great God that you are. We thank you that you are active in each of our lives, Lord, and we can come to you at any time. We thank you for that. I just pray that you'll help my brothers and sisters this week, help them to have a great week in you. In Christ's name, amen.